You are now tuned into the Off the Wall podcast. And yeah. is that it? Push P. Turn me up. Turn me up, P. Uh-huh. Putting us in the paddock in my piece. I'm pushing P. Cop new hammers for my piece. We don't want no peace. Got a spot at Cross Spot. Jeff of Peace. Drop the data, now we plotting. Exotic peace. She not a lesbian for peace, she turned pesbian. Push P, I'm pushing P. I'm capital P, I write the president, count president. Push P. Portuguese on her knees, mopping down a P. She let me squeeze, then she leave, cause she keep the P. Private suite, privacy, bitch, I'm pushing P. Purple paint, pussy paint, bitch, I'm pushing P. Push P, I'm pushing P. Push P, I'm pushing P. Yeah. Push P, I'm pushing P. I'm pushing P. Yeah. I'm Papa P. I'm paranoid. I can't sleep with pockets deep. Got rest on me. Why they watching me? I'm pushing P. I'm pushing P. Pushing P. I'm pushing P. Once again, another week, another episode of the Off the Wall Podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Ant Bonham, man. I thank y'all for joining me another week on the Off the Wall Podcast, man. I definitely appreciate all the support from, well, it was two weeks ago. It wasn't even last week. Two weeks ago on the Valentine's Day episode. I was very shocked at how many women, you know, for the relationship Yelp episode, who said they would have patience for a man with, you know what I'm saying, um having some financial issues, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, in public and on TV and, you know, you watch all the reality TV and stuff, it like if a dude ain't got his stuff together, like nobody wants him, you know what I'm saying? So it was kind of interesting to see that mostly all the women I had on on their show really said they would be willing to work with a guy who was having a little problems in the financial department. But, you know, that was that was last, that was two weeks ago episode, I thank y'all. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm back on course now, like I said, once a week and now from here on out. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to miss it. You know what I'm saying? Y'all hold me accountable. Text me, inbox me, whatever, man. I'm not going to miss no more weeks. You know, I missed last week. Kind of busy week. You know what I'm saying? You know, I had mad stuff to do. I was putting down hardwood floors. You know what I'm saying? I had to uh, cut grass and things of that nature. Yeah, I'm lying. You know, I ain't had to do none of that, but, you know, just being a little lazy. But now I'm, I'm going to come out of my laziness and do what I got to do. You know what I mean? But today, this episode, I have Miss Jasmine. Miss Jasmine Watts, man. Jasmine, this is, um, I believe, going to be a pretty good episode, man. Um, she has a story. She has some trials. She has some storms she had to go through. And the crazy thing is that I don't know. We was going to discuss it before the show. And I said, you know what? I want to have an organic response to whatever it is she's going to tell me. So just like you guys listening now, this is going to be my first time actually hearing her story and the things she had to 
overcome, you know, to get to where she's at today. You know what I'm saying? So uh, after the little brief break, we'll be back with Miss Jasmine Watts. Let's go. Hey, may I speak to Miss Jasmine? Why I'm putting out the whole government? Oh my gosh, <laughs> that is OD. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show, Miss Jasmine. How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? You doing good? I mean, you in you in New York, right? You up in in, in Empire State, I'm right? I'm actually in Connecticut, but I don't want to say that because I don't even want you to start. Uh, hey, look, but that's crazy. Before we get into everything, because, you know, I did my little intro, I I, I said that it was going to be an interesting show today because, you know, I wanted them to know how it really was. Because you, you've, I think, like, I think you may have mentioned, like, maybe a year and a half ago that, you know, you said some things you overcame, I think, when you got missing. I asked you why you got missing on social media, I think, something like that. Yep, fact, yep, yeah, and yep. you, yeah, and you was you was telling me some things, yo. And I was letting the people know that when they hear this, of course, y'all y'all are hearing this on a Thursday. This is actually Wednesday night when we're recording it. Um, but I was letting them know in, in the opening that you know this is my first time hearing it too. And I remember we was going to discuss it, but I thought like you know I want to have an organic response to everything that you are going to say and tell us. But before we get into that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? We got some Fab Five questions I want you to ask. New York. <laughs> New York version of the Fab Five questions, Miss Jad. Easy questions now. That you're a New York girl, man. So, number one, we're going to start off. Tim's or Nike boots? Tim. <laughs> Jay-Z or Biggie? I'm going to go with Jay-Z, but I know people would say Biggie. But I'm going to go with Jay-Z. All right. Little Kim or Nicki Minaj? Little Kim. I know where you're going to go with this next one. Knicks or the Nets? Knicks. <laughs> and, oh, then why? why? Why do you say the Knicks? I mean, I'm just, a, you know I'm a diehard Knicks fan. I don't play about the Knicks. Even when they was losing, I'm still riding for them. I don't know. I'm not saying I don't like the Nets. I've gone to the Barclays, going to Nets games, but we didn't, we didn't need two teams that close. We didn't need two teams. Got to stick with the original. But New York's a big city. You know, you know what I'm saying? The biggest city in, in the U.S. world. Like, y'all, y'all, y'all needed one more team, man. Y'all had to. I mean, they could have stayed in Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> they could have stayed in Jersey. <laughs> and, the, and the last question I was breaking. Juice or New Jack City? Juice. Juice? Why? Why would you say Juice over New Jack City? I just, I, I mean, I, I like Tupac. I don't know. I just like Juice. I didn't. I mean, I watched New Jack City. It's been a while, but Juice is something that can come on right now, even on BET, and they bleep everything out, and I'm still going to be like, oh, Juice is on. Let me watch it. <laughs> and what part of New York are you from? Like, you're originally from? Long Island. Long Island? Okay. So it's not really New York City, the five boroughs, but, but you still, know, we... It's still close enough, L.I. You're still, okay, L.I., L.I. area. And, you know, before we get into everything, you know, again, like, tell the people a little bit about yourself. Um, so I'm Jasmine. Um, I am originally from New York, and um, I say New York and North Carolina. I always still read Wilson too. Um, my parents moved me there when I was in like the end of seventh grade or so. Stayed there through high school, Hunt Warriors all day. No um, doubt, graduated. no doubt. Graduated from Hunt in 06. Um, then I left. That's when I left Wilson. I have never lived there since. Um, but I 
went to school in Virginia. I went to Hampton for a couple of years, and then I just made my way back to New York since 2008. Um, and I've been here. I mean, my parents and my brother, they're still all in North Carolina, my friends, close friends. So I'm there pretty often, a couple times a year. But now I'm a dean of students at a um, charter school for a middle school and for an organization started in Brooklyn and now they asked me to come over to Connecticut so I've been here my second year here so yeah being a student and just love working with kids how, how was your college experience in Hampton how was that um I love Hampton I you know I definitely feel like going to an HBCU for me after being at Hunt and being like the mixed environment, um, being in like honors classes and things like that. I feel like it was a bit of a culture shock for me, honestly. Like being around just like all black people, mm-hmm. it was fun. I have friends that are still like my friends now, even though I decided to leave. But I dealt with things that I don't think I was ready for. So, like the real like pettiness of females, that was too much for me. Uh, guys just like sleeping around, doing all. That was like, it was all just shocking to me. And I couldn't really handle it all. It was like, I'm going to either go to jail or really be somebody else. Because it was, it was bugging. Like, hold on, hold on. So, so you telling me those things didn't happen at Hunt? <laughs> I mean, not for me. Not okay, for okay, me. okay, okay. Not for me. I didn't do I mean, I've seen it, yes. Yes, yes okay. I've seen it. Um, but me personally, I didn't have to Experience. necessarily endure it. And I'm not saying like I didn't go through some nonsense because Wilson is small and so (laughs) it's always something in Wilson and when you coming through any of the schools but I I didn't I don't know I didn't I didn't go through it like that I think because I wasn't originally from Wilson so I feel like people from Wilson I was affiliated for like the people that I was close close to and not like my family because I didn't have like oh my cousin so-and-so my this who graduate I didn't have that like Mm -hmm. all my family is in New York so I didn't have that type of circle of like people knew my parents, people knew my father because he's a basketball coach, but that's the extent. Like people didn't know like my family or my cousins or this or that, like they didn't know. So I feel like I wasn't as in it, anything that I had to deal with because like my friends, because they were from Wilson. Oh, okay. Okay. So, so basically, so it, neither one of your parents are like originally from Wilson? No, both my parents are uh, from New York. My grandfather, who is still lives in Wilson now, um, his he's originally from Wilson. We actually okay. have a family house still to this day on Queen Street over there by Ray Street. Right. Um, and so when my grandmother passed, my grandfather went back to North Carolina. He just went back to Wilson from New York, almost maybe 29. My brother's 29. So yeah, about 29, between 28, 30 years ago. Um, mm-hmm. And so... But his all his family is originally so like this Queen Street like it's been in my family for years. Okay. Um, I mean I used to go there when I was younger even before I moved I would go on Queen Street I knew about like Queen Street and Reed Street because we used to go to Reed Street my older cousins would take us to Reed Street but that was the extent that I even knew of Wilson before living there. Oh yeah, see that was back in the in the, in the good times. You know what I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the good old times over there. That way, you know what I'm saying. Even even I remember when I used to come because you know I wasn't raised in Wilson but you know what I'm saying I used to come home for the summers. Too, and had to go to Reed Street, like the swimming po- program and different things that they had. You know, yeah, that's summer. exactly what it was. We would, we yeah. were all my cousins. We would all be in Wilson for the summer. Yeah, because um, my family does our family reunion every summer in July, so we would all be here for like the whole month of July. 
Now, when you say you moved down like seventh grade, right? just moving from New York to Wilson, was that a big culture shock for you? Oh, my goodness. It was definitely a culture shock. I mean, I went to Forest Hills Middle School. Same, um, same here. I mean, I made, of course, I made friends, and I'm still friends with a few of them. You know, like Cordron, we speak, and social media and stuff. Um, but it was a culture shock. You know, like, I, I talk different and everything. Like, why do you talk like that? I'm like, why do you talk like that? Um, <laughs> you know, the way I dressed, um, I felt like was different. <laughs> I feel like now it's a little bit different. Like, people kind of dress the same in different states. But back then, you knew who was not from Wilson. You right. knew who was not from North Carolina with the dressing. Yep. So it was very different. So, I mean, of course, even at that young age, it was haters. But I didn't really have, like, problems. I was kind of, like, quiet and stayed to myself for the most part. Um, but it definitely was a culture cut shock because it was boring. I was like, this is corny. Like, why are we this corny? <laughs> It's it's crazy, man. I I was talking to one of my homeboys about that too. I think social social media um, blurred a lot of gaps. Before you could see somebody and know they they was not from certain place by the way they spoke or how they dressed. But now because of social media, somebody see somebody post that, they all buy that. All right, the products right, exactly. Come. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You can't really is you don't really see the differences now for sure. And I definitely think social media has a big part to play in that. But definitely back then, you knew. Yeah. For sure. Like, yep. Now, now everybody has the same slang. Everybody wears the same thing. Like it's, it's I kind of hate that it did that, man. Cause I like that you know people that had their own identity from where they were from. You know what I'm saying? But for sure. I mean, I even think even down to the music. I I feel like before social media was huge. I I feel like you know North music. Region. Didn't make it yep. down south. It, you know we I heard it here, but or down south music. I'd be like, oh yeah, if I come home. Oh, you heard this song? What? I've been heard that in North Carolina two, three months ago. You know, yeah. like now everything is just out because of the all the rappers or the singers or whoever. There, it's all it's a platform, so you hear everything at the same time. Right, right. That is true. It, it, it made it made everything mesh together. Like now, you, like it's no really no no boundaries really. Like you know what I'm saying? It's no boundaries. No boundaries. Nope. Everybody took everybody's slang and everything. That who who is some of your favorite artists growing up? I mean, I'm an R and B. Nineties, so you're a nineties R and B fan? Huh? You a nineties R and B fan? Yes, nineties R and B. Let me be clear. Nineties R and B. Uh definitely was like Monica, Randy, um, Jagged Edge, SWV. I I don't know if I should say this. I don't want nobody <laughs> come for me. I love R. Kelly music. <laughs> I feel like I know that's like a taboo. We should not talk about R. Kelly, but man is talented. Um, he is talented. The man, the man make good music. Listen, I don't know about nothing else. I just know he make good music. So, um, those were a few. Definitely Jagged Edge. I definitely love Jagged Edge. My group, Boys to Men. Um, new edition. I, I can go. Like, I'm just. I still to this day everything '90s R&B. So, so you you really not gonna mention One Twelve? That's that's what you're not gonna you're not gonna mention One Twelve. Oh yeah, One Twelve. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I get to you're right. You're right. I forgot about them. No doubt. No doubt. Oh, I, I feel like. How about um. The culture shock, like for me, I think for me coming back, I think probably maybe the sick because it was weird for me because you know I have two a brother and a sister. They wasn't mm-hmm. born here. I'm the oldest, but I was born here, but wasn't initially raised here. So I came back here probably like halfway through the sixth grade, and I only stayed like two or three years, and I went back to Texas. But it was like the culture shock for me, and I'm pretty sure the listeners have heard this many times before. The culture shock was for me was how much racist it is here than anywhere else I ever lived. 
like, for sure. Like, for sure. You know what I'm saying? And it was weird, Kyle. Like I said, I remember coming home telling my mom, like, hey, they, they, they talk like this here? Like, if you stay here, you're in the white neighborhood or... That's your black friend, white friend. Like I never heard that till I came here, like six, six, seventh grade. Like and it, it was the weirdest thing to me. I just wonder if anybody else feel that way because you came about the same time, like the seventh or seventh grade. Like did you did you feel weird like that? How it was down here, especially coming from somewhere like New York, where it's a melting pot of a whole lot of different nationalities. Exactly. I remember um, honestly. You just made me remember. I remember seventh grade when I first got to Forest Hills. Teacher asked me a question. Don't remember the teacher's name, but teacher asked me a question, and I answered it like. Yes. She's like, yes, what? I said, what do you mean, yes, what? She's like, you need to address it as yes, ma'am. I said, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> what is yes, ma'am? Like, I didn't, that was too loud. And I don't even, you know, my parents, they wasn't with that what or yeah. Like, yes, that was our household. That's how I was raised. And that was respect. So I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, this is a yes, ma'am. We say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. I was like, well, that's not going to happen. Because <laughs> I don't even, I don't even say that to my own mother and father like i don't know what yes ma'am no but that i that i remember that story because it was very early on and i remember going home like okay i know for a fact i can't do this you know because i'm like what like and it was they were very persistent until of course teacher called home so my mother and mother was like as long as she is saying yes that that's that we're gonna have to agree to that and that's gonna be that like what is happening yeah yeah, I think that's a deep Southern thing, deep Southern hospitality type thing, you know? Right. So they say yeah, Southern sure. manners. Yeah, it's a, it's a Southern thing. It's a Southern thing. Um, so now we, we we're going to get into some of the, the things, the trials and issues and things that you say you went through that, you know, that caused you to leave for a minute. Um, like, since I don't know, I'll let you lead into the things and I'll just go from there. Yeah, so um, before I even start, I wanted to say like, this is my first time openly um, speaking about it on a level that, like, many people don't know if it's not, like, my closest friends and family. Right. So I'm overcoming even, like, a fear of, like, I don't want people to know my business. I don't want people talking about me or judging. But I, I'm i overcoming that and doing it now because I feel like even if someone is not going through exactly what I went through, my story could help someone. That's just how life goes. And so I can't allow my fears um, to stop. So this is the first time. So when this airs, like, whoever knows me, they're going to then know the story, and I'm fine with that. But this is my first platform of even getting it out there to just anyone. Um, So back in June of 2020, so, you know, we were pandemic, um, June 29th to be exact, I had to have surgery. Uh, the surgery was originally supposed to be in April, um, but because they were not doing elective surgeries and things like that, um, the surgery was supposed to be for a myomectomy, which is fibroid removal surgery, right. laparoscopic. So it wasn't going to be, you know, invasive, no cutting, just going through the belly button, little cut. Um, and I've known I have fibroids um, for people who don't know, it's non-cancerous. Um, it's, you know, nothing major, but it, it, you know, affects, it's definitely painful. It makes mm-hmm. your menstrual cycles extremely heavy, um, for a long period of time. The cramping is terrible. And I had gone, had it for, for years, but doctors just did it. It's just not something in the black community that one, that we're taught from right. our elders. And they, you know, doctors, unless you have black doctors, I feel like it's not something that they 
really talk to you about. It's just like, oh, okay, yeah, take this medicine or you'll be okay. It's not a big thing um, because it is more prevalent in the black community. So you already know like right. what's what that's about. Yeah. Um, so I've had it for, for, for many years, about six, seven years. But no one told me about like, hey, your, if your diet will help them to maintain the size, they won't grow as big, different things. Um, so ultimately it got to a point where I had to have them removed. And I had a, several of them that I need to be removed. So I was like, okay, no problem. I'll get this done. Um, when I went to, my mom had came, I remember like a month or two before the surgery. We had went to the doctor and the doctor said, you know, all the preliminary uh, pre-op stuff, you got to sign this just in case you need a blood transfusion, just, you know, regular procedural things. Um, and then she said, I do want to talk to you about something else. And I'm like, okay, what? Um, and she said, so that your final CAT scan showed something, but I won't really be able to know what until I'm actually in the surgery. Mm. And she said, um, your tubes are blocked, my fallopian tubes. They look blocked. One of them for sure looks blocked. And so I said, okay, so what do you do about that? Like, I don't know. So, like, what do you do about that? Now, I've never um, been pregnant, never really tried to be pregnant, you know, or whatever. So it's like, I don't, I don't really know. Okay, what, what does that mean? And so she said, well, while you're under um, the anesthesia, while you're under, I'm going to try to push dye through the tubes. And if the dye, you know, flows out, maybe it's just a little clogged, whatever, it comes out, everything's fine. If not, my suggestion is that we take, you know, we take the tube. And I'm like, okay, you know, I did cry a little bit. I'm like, what, what does this mean? You know, I was a little, just all of it was emotional. The whole blood transfusion, I'm like, what, this is, it seems like a lot for something that's supposed to be so small. Right. But nonetheless, I didn't really do much research that I probably should have done. And I trusted the doctor. And, and she's still great. I would never say anything bad against her. Um, but she said, I need a decision now, though, because I cannot wake you up and ask you and say, hey, the tubes are A, B, or C. So, like, so I need consent now that if they are blocked, you are okay with them being removed. And so I said, no problem. You know, if they're blocked, then they're just that. What can I do with them? Right. Like, then take them. But I think I said it more so in a sense of like, there's no way that she's going to actually take them because they're, they can't actually be blocked. Right. Like, yeah, OK, whatever. Do it. I'll sign. I'm just ready to get the surgery over. I really just want these fibroids out. Whatever else you're talking about. No problem. So I had the surgery, you know, I had to go in by myself because it was COVID, you know, the yep. thick of COVID. So my, my parents, my brother, they were all up here uh, from North Carolina. They came, uh, my friends, things met me outside the hospital. I went in by myself, did, all, did everything, was nervous as hell. Um, and I remember waking up in a recovery. And the first thing I said to the nurse in recovery was, do I still have my tubes? She said, oh, I think you should, t I, you know, I'm going to wait to the doctor. I'm going to call the doctor right now. I'm going to let you talk to her. And I'm like, I grabbed her arm and I'm like, no, I want you to like, tell me like what, what happened. And so the doctor got on the phone and she said, you know, everything went well, Jasmine, you know, you did lose a lot of blood. It took us a very long time. I know your mom was, you know, everyone was nervous. It took a long time. The surgery was longer than expected. You lost, you did lose a lot of blood, but we did not have to do a transfusion. And she said, but I do want to tell you that your tubes were, were, were blocked. 
Mm. And she said, um, so I had to remove it. So I'm like, oh, okay, you removed one arrest. I have one. No problem. So no, I actually had to remove both of them. Oh. I lost my entire natural mind in that recovery room. Um, I went crazy. I, I think at that moment they probably gave me more payments because I just think I fell back to sleep. Uh, the surgery is really supposed to be like you can either go home that same night or the next day. Right. I stayed in the hospital almost two days because I was in a state of shock. I just didn't really know what to do. And it was just a lot. I just couldn't even believe, like, what? Like, I guess I really didn't fully grasp it. And then when I came home um, in the recovery, like, my mom stayed. Because my mom was not going to stay in New York. She was, because, again, everything was supposed to be one, two, three. They were going to go back to to North Carolina. But my dad and my brother wound up having to go by themselves. Um, I just fell into a, a very deep and bad depression. Uh, my mom stayed here for weeks, maybe three or four weeks. She worked from home. She was working from home. I was in my new apartment in Connecticut, and it was bad. I was depressed. I was eating. Um, I was suicidal. Mm. Um, I did. And honestly, she doesn't even know this, but she'll hear it because I'm going to send her the, the, the link for the podcast. But with her right on the other side of the in another room, I tried to commit suicide twice. Whoa. Right here in the bed. Um, tried to overdose on the, on the, on the meds. Um, when she did have to go back to North Carolina, I remember like my dad saying like, you have to bring her back. So I went back, I came to Wilson, I was in Wilson for like a week or two, maybe two or three weeks. Um, and then I was like, you know, I'm okay. I'm going to go back home and go back to Connecticut. And I came home. I wasn't suicidal because I started therapy, but it was a, it was a joke. I was just going through the motions and it's actually, it's just been a bad roller coaster ride, um, ever since, honestly, and even till now like i am still moderately to severely depressed and have moderate anxiety um i was not suicidal at all anymore for a while up until maybe a month or two ago and then i started having suicidal ideations again and it kind of scared me um which is when i then started back with therapy about a month or so ago and um it's been a journey so I was definitely off social media for a while. Um, friends, I, I, you know, I feel like people didn't really know how to deal with it because I'm the person that can put a mask on and I show up for everybody. I do things for everybody near or far. I'm getting on a plane. I'm in North Carolina. Something's going on as little as a birthday dinner. I'm there. You know, like right. I, that's just who I am. I'm that friend. And it really was a time where like I can't even I can't pretend this a piece of like womanhood and of course everybody's like oh you'll still be able to have kids you know it's ivf it's this that's the new age thing but for me it was like that's a piece of my womanhood that's gone right like now i'm thinking of all types of things what i'm not in a relationship how do you forget like i don't even know how a person with you know std or hiv or tell another person like how i'm gonna tell a man that like oh i can't have kids the regular way you know like you got to do all this extra stuff just to have a baby all these things were just making me and even to recent like i still have those thoughts and it's like oh my gosh like this is too much i did everything right i went to school i got two master's degrees i didn't you know i didn't get pregnant in high school not knocking anybody who did but i felt like I did everything right. I go to church every Sunday. Right. I have my fun. I might drink. I might hang out and party. But I did everything the right way. The way that my parents raised me to do it, 
and what is this? Now that I'm 30, in my 30s, and now I'm supposed to be trying to settle down, wait for God to send me the right man, settle down and have a family, what is this? This is not what was in the plan. And I think all of that in combination just put me very much so in a dark place. Mm. It was bad. It was bad. And I think it was also bad because, again, I'm 33. I'll be 34 next month. I'm at an age where life is going to go on around you. Family and friends, cousins. I have cousins, close cousins, close friends who have had children who've gotten pregnant. And I still had to show up and celebrate them. And it's been hard, you know, like even to this day, I have friends that are pregnant right now, right now. And still they will text me and say, before I put this on social media, I want to let you know, I don't want to trigger you. Mm -hmm. And I never want my family and friends to think like, I'm not happy for them. I am genuinely happy. I'm a genuinely happy person for anybody. But I respect, I'm happy that they put into consideration like my feelings and my thoughts. But yeah, so it was, it was rough. It's, I mean, it still is rough. It's it's getting a little easier, but it definitely was the darkest place I've been in in my entire life. Oh man, yeah. I, see, I never, I never would have thought, you know, that that had happened. And and I think, if I'm not mistaken, I have a, a coworker. Um, but I think she she's she might be a little younger, maybe 27, 28. And I think the same thing happened to her, and she had to, you know, uh go out for that and she and I, I think I well I, I can't of course I don't know how you feel but I remember how she was and she stayed out of work I think took a leave of absence for a good while like she it kind of bothered her you know that she wouldn't be able, I think she feel the same way but I, I I didn't know that there was other ways that you can get pregnant you know like you can still have a baby by that but I think she was thinking just like you along the lines where you were at you know what I'm saying like Yes, other ways to get pregnant, but you know she did everything the right way. Same, but almost the same story. And she's, I think, she's on grad school taking a you know step right now too. And uh, it's kind of crazy. I didn't know fibroids was was could do that type of things to your body though. But then I also, like you said, it's it's a lot of things that we're not educated about that can shrink those too that nobody tells us about as far as your diet and things. Right, there's so many things, or just the early and like, yeah, I did know about it early, but. At that time, the doctor I had, he was just like, oh, we're monitoring it twice a year instead of going to the, you know, to the GYN once a year. OK, you're going to come twice a year or every three months just for us to check in. And, oh, everything's OK. Never said change your diet. Mm-hmm. Never said lose weight, you know, exercise. Never said never said any of those things, which anyway, I should have been doing those things anyway. But right. that would have been the extra push if I knew like these, if I would have known that there were real risks infertility being the main one or infertility issues and like listen yes and everyone there are so many people around me um and i've i've honestly walked away from some friendships i've i've walked away from conversations because anybody listening anybody you know going through something like this the worst thing that you can tell someone is but you can still have kids right we don't want to hear that I understand that there may be people worse. That's life. There's always going to be a situation that's worse. But right now, this is my worst. So you saying that to me does not help me one bit. It actually infuri- it's, it's very infuriating. And I, but I think it comes from a place of people just don't know what to say. And so I think for me, it was I, I closed myself off to everyone. Um, 
I close myself off to everyone besides my parents. Um, you know, I, my friends, they tried. I mean, for several weeks, they, I, I, they, they were texting me. I wasn't even sending text messages back. Um, and then plus, since I was in Connecticut, it definitely wasn't easy for like my friends from New York to come and things like that. I didn't know, but I, it was a very like lonely space that I was in. Um, def- definitely dynamics of friendships shifted uh, because I did feel like a lot of people weren't really there for me like I expected them to be. Um, and it wasn't until like the first round of therapy where I, she's like, listen, you got to have these conversations with people. And, and, you know, they mostly were all receptive to the conversations and, you know, didn't know. And, and I'm like, so I just really needed you to be there. You know, like I have one of my best friends who um, she was going through her own stuff at the time, a mother of three and married and this. And she literally would, almost every Sunday would drive to Connecticut. Sometimes mm-hmm. we would just, sometimes she, we would just sit there. I would be on the couch and she would just be braiding her hair or, or doing something else. Wouldn't even talk. And it's like, those are the little things. Like, just show up. Just come. You know, like, but it was hard. It definitely was a hard place to be in. It still is something I'm overcoming. And it changed me in a lot of ways. Changed uh, me in a lot of ways. Um, um. I'm pretty sure it would, you know, and, and, and I'm pretty sure it affect you in a lot of ways. Back to the, the thing where you said, you know, how like um, how it meant a lot to your friend who, who came, who had kids and everything and still took that time on Sundays to come see you and check on you about that. Do you think a lot of our friends, maybe this is a two part question. You think a lot of our friends really don't know the extent that sometimes we may be suffering? Or do you think that a lot of people are just really selfish to only what they got going on, or even, you know what I'm saying? A lot of people don't know how to handle helping nobody else because they're going through something of their own and they and they might be just like us. They they they, they could they could still, you know, function and everything and, you know, put on like they're okay through all the hurt hurt. Like what what do you think is that? Cause now I, I don't I used to be like hard on friends if I felt like, you know, they didn't do stuff like that. But then I'd be thinking like, hey, do they got something going on itself? Like, do they understand the extent of the pain that I'm in? Or like, like, how do you gauge that with, with people? In your life? I mean, I feel like, one, I have amazing friends from my friends in North Carolina, my friends in New York. I have amazing friends. I do think that in that moment, though, I needed all of them, friends and family, I needed them to show up more than they did. I look at it as, I am the strong friend. You know, you see on social media, oh, the strong friend, the strong friend. Right. I'm not saying that my friends aren't strong because they're all, you know, they're definitely strong women. But I am the strong friend. I am the friend that shows up. This was the one time, the one situation that I needed desperately for people to show up. Did you express that to them or you felt like they should have known? I didn't, I didn't in the moment because this was the one time that I didn't mask it. Mm. I feel like Throughout the years of friendship, sometimes my friends didn't know when I was going through stuff because I wouldn't tell them. Or I would be like, I just want to concentrate on what you're going through and hope you, you know, the meme where it says, um, sometimes I've said things to help a friend or help someone through something when I needed the words for myself. Right. When I'm going through, that's who I've always been. But this was a time where I was like, there's no more mask. There's no mask. I'm going to cry when I'm crying. They knew I was, when I was suicidal, I wasn't, I was vocal about it. Like, I'm going crazy. And so I feel like I don't want to say that they were selfish, but I just don't think that one, they knew what to do 
knew how to do it, but I don't think and then they knew how it affected me. And it did make me look at a lot of people differently. It did. And I did have those conversations with them. Um, but I don't think it was a selfish thing. I, I just think it was a, I don't know what to do when honestly I didn't need them to do anything but show up mm. again. My, my friend, and I'll even name her Nikki. When she would come, sometimes she wouldn't even tell me. She would sometimes she would just either the morning of, oh, I'm on my way. Text me. I'm on my way to New. I'm on my way to Connecticut. What I'm gonna say? No. I mean, even if I did say no, she still would be like, I'm outside. And you don't drove all the way from New York to Connecticut. Yeah, it might be only be an hour and a half, hour and forty five minutes. But I'm not just going to not get up and answer the door for you. You understand what I'm saying? Like. Right. Okay, come in, but I don't, I don't want to talk. Now, one or two times we might have went to eat or something like that, but there were times when I literally laid in the bed or laid on the couch, and we may have said five words, and she may have stayed for a couple hours. You know, so it's, it's I just needed more. Now, were they checking in? Were they texting? And our other friends that were calm, I'm just speaking about her because it was very consistent. There were other people who, yes, they did come a few times, and and, and made the trip here and we're checking. And of course, it was the text, it was the phone calls, but those in between texts and the phone calls could have been the moment that I could have actually taken my life. Mm, true. That's very true. Those in between phone calls, text messages could have could have been the moment that I really lost my mind and and didn't have enough control to bring myself out of the suicidal ideations. And I think that's the piece that was missing. The like, are they taking it serious? And maybe they were, or it's like, no, not jazz, right? And honestly, I'll be honest, the only thing that really saved me through all of this is my brother. I mean, you've probably seen me post about him. He yeah. literally is the most important person in my life. Love him, deaf, right, wrong, and indifferent. And only thing I kept thinking about is, if I leave this earth, he he's going to lose his mind. I cannot do that to him. So I have to try to fight for him. You know, you said, you said something interesting too, like as a strong friend, because I'm, I'm, I'm the strong friend to a lot of my friends too. And like what you said, I think a lot of people probably thought, you know, like not jazz. I think they do. Like they feel like we can just pull through anything. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like nothing really bothers you when, and, and sometimes it really does. And you know, I, I think sometimes they can take that for granted. You know, I've took it from granted for certain people I thought was strong too. So you, so you're right. They might have done that. I don't. It's not intentional. It's just it's something you you just feel like, hey, they got this, and you know that's that's not a good way to be. I think we need to start. Ch- I, I honestly believe we're too busy with too much, too many things in life now that we really don't check on the important people or do the important things in life anymore. Everybody's on the same grind, grind, hustle, hustle mentality. Like everybody's on that. Like everybody's on that. Nobody takes time to take. Out of I time agree. for the people I mean, that, I, that, that I matters. People yeah, have different things going on, right? Yeah, but it's like sometimes I tell people I'm the busiest person I know. I got something going on all the time. Moving to Connecticut probably was one of the best thing about moving to Connecticut is like I could say no to things because I'm not there, right? But I feel like I'm the busiest person, and I still make time for every intricate thing for people's kids, for this, for that, for that, for them, and again. My friends are amazing, and I don't think, to your point, definitely don't think it was intentional. Like, I'm just intentionally not going to show up and be there as much for Jazz or as much as she probably needs. But I do think it's, we, myself included, as people, 
need to sit down sometimes and say what is important who is important right what does this person need what is we talk about love languages with relationships but what's the love language with friends my love language is physical in in like in person i and i show it to other people that's what i need in return You know, so I I, I feel like, again, not intentional, but I I feel like it was a shock. Like, what? And it was a shock to everybody. I was going in for one thing and came out a different woman. That a different woman. I came out with more losing more more organs and more things than I expected. expected, And I came out like, what in the world? So I think it was also a shock to my family and friends um but it was hard now it you definitely now this this sounds cliche and you know it's kind of cliche because you hear a lot of people say that do you they say people say everything happens for a reason do, do, do you foresee the reason why that may have happened to you in that way or do you you see the silver lining of what may come from that once you get past everything you need to get past like mentally to get past what happened I don't know. Um, I'm still in a place of trying to see. I, I, I'm i a very spiritual person. I go to church. I, you know, I've been in church, my same church, even in New York since I was four years old. And even when I was in North Carolina, when I came back to New York, I went to the same church. And I even backed away from church for months because I it was definitely a place of like, God, are you kidding me? Like, I know I ain't perfect, but like, you see what these people are? You made this person a mother? And I got to do, like, you know, like, yeah. these are the questions. Like, what? This is crazy to me. I can't believe this is going on. I do think that one of the things I'm learning now, very recent, is that I am stronger than I thought I was. Right. And that is what I, I know. That's a piece of it. But I still don't know why I had to. I still yet don't know why this had to be my storm this thing all the storms it could have been all the ways i could have found my strength all the ways i don't know why it had to be this thing now i'm a godmother to nine kids okay take it very serious love my god kids i love children i work with children i want to be a mother i've dated guys with kids their kids become my kids whether the mother's like me or not those i'm gonna look out for them i'm gonna take care of them as if they are my own that's how i've always been i want to be a mom that's people ask me now what will make you happy i don't care about nothing else I care about the job the money that is the only thing that made me happy is the day i become a mother right and so i feel like why did i have to go through all of this to again i'm hopeful that it's gonna happen but now it's the conversation i think it would be different if i was in a relationship and this happened and okay you know well this happened all right we can get through it no this is something like you don't want to wait you, it's, it's like i don't want to wait eight months to tell somebody this but i don't really want to tell somebody the first date every first date i go on so it's like when is the right time well of course of course you don't want to say it on the first date because you just get a no you want to say hey oh, look, yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> you don't want to you, you know you don't say that but now i honestly Honestly, believe like the the right person that 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 you're meant to be with, and see that I think a lot of people mess up with that because every date 
that people go on and everybody for some reason feel is the one. I think sometimes certain people are put in our lives for us to learn from maybe for a season. They're not always all forever. Everybody we date is not all forever. I, I think as soon as somebody, people get that out of their mind, I, I, I like to think dating would be a whole lot better. Like every person mm-hmm. you date is not forever. Only certain people will find that soulmate right then and there. You know, first, and I think, and I honestly believe you know when you find that person. I think you know you know without a shadow of a doubt. I think a lot of people, everybody else is so stuck up on the idea of, of finding that one that they, sometimes they, they would stretch themselves very thin for somebody that's really undeserving. You know, it's not really on the same playing field as, as they are. But I think... Yeah, for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, in speaking about that, it was like, it was even a point in time where I was like, Dang, should I go back to one of my exes? That like maybe this would be easier to just deal with, you know, like that knows me and like that'll understand. But it's like, no, that's not a good idea. Nah. Um, <laughs> like, nah. you know, I don't know about and I and I think like I definitely had that because I did. Like I was in contact with one of my exes at the time, and you know, he, oh yeah, I'm gonna come to Connecticut. I'm gonna do this and telling one of my best friends, yeah, I'm gonna go see. I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna ch- checking up on me and and then it was like. When the time come, oh, no, I can't make it back. And I'm like, okay, God, I see what you're doing here. Yeah, snap me out of that. You know, like. Yeah. Um, and I mean, any guy that I have told has, has there has not been one that has not been receptive. Right. Um, so that, you know, that is a plus. But I, I just feel like, you know, it's, it's also money. And a good thing, I, I'm in a good job. And, I, you know, I found out, you know, of course, with my mother, because she's the research queen. Um. You know, like my current job, it they pay for cycles fully, 100%. IVF. You know, I had one of my close close friends. I call her my little sister Asha, who literally in in one of the in the early stages. Listen, whatever it caught, I'm I'm giving I'm letting you know you got five thousand dollars from me towards mm. it. I don't care what it caught you five thousand dollars. You know, like mm. my brother, whatever I don't care, Jack. Whatever it takes, you you already know the money. You know, so there was so much like. I understand you got to do the IVF. This is what we're going to do. And, like, I, I hold those people near and dear to my heart, right? And it, But it's still, like, having that conversation with someone and then going through the process. And, and, you know, whenever that happens, it's, like, it's a big thing. That's a big It's a big commitment. It can be very different. It's definitely not how I envisioned it. And I'm sure the man that I, you know, and with and do it with, it's like I'm sure it's not going to be how they envision it. But to your point, if it's the right one, it's the one that's supposed to happen with, and I'm sure it won't be much hiccups. But I'm I'm able to have to say that now. We're talking almost two years later. I mean, June is what a couple more three months away. I'm told like this is from June 2020, so I'm able to say and speak in that way now. I was not even in that headspace eight months ago. Mm. Hey, that's some good progress. Definitely, a lot, a lot of good progress. Um, and I think even in the recent weeks, last couple of weeks, recent days, like this week, it's just been a newfound birth of like, I want to be happy. I want to be genuinely happy, genuinely peace, like be at peace with my life. And so, just doing things different, just getting up, going to the gym now. I've been posting it. You probably seen it. Like, okay, yeah, now so, yeah. I'm gonna go five thirty in the morning. Getting dressed for work. Like, yeah, I get dressed. I got a lot of clothes. I got a lot of shoes. But you know what? I'm I'm gonna get dressed. I'm gonna put a dress on and some boots. I don't. I do with the kids. But I don't really get dressy, dressy. But I'm gonna do these things. I'm gonna start saying no when I don't really want to do things. 
I'm going to protect my piece. And I want people to be okay with that. I cannot be the show up for everything friend anymore. I have to get myself together because everyone else, everyone's live is moving. People's lives are going. Everyone's doing things. I have to get myself together and, and, and for me before I can even, because my life is now set up differently than I expected it or wanted it to be set up. And I got to see, like, really figure out what that means, like this new me. Mm, yeah, I agree. And, and it sounds like it's, it was one thing, you know what I'm saying? When, 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 I'm I'm a person like that when bad things happen to me, I sit back and analyze why and everything. You no, know, it seems like, and I don't want to say that's exactly why that happened, especially something to the extreme of what happened to you. But did you did you hear yourself? You say how you had to slow down and take care of you. Was you doing that a lot before you found out of this? Never. It's funny, my, my cousin, she just said this maybe last Sunday in church. My cousin Christine, she said, that reach, that arms reach that you had, that it's no more. There's no more reaching out. There's no more reaching. Stop reaching. Stop reaching out to people. Stop uh, doing things first for people, with people. You it stop. It needs to be all about Jasmine. And the ones who, especially the ones who know what you've been going through, will understand. And the ones who don't, well, then that's just that. Um, I don't know. And I'm sure you know Arkeela from Wilson, one of my best friends. And she's always on me. Stop, Jazz. No, Jazz. This, you know, even her recently. I see. I see that you're now listening. It's you're not you're not even doing this or doing that when people want you or need you here or need you there. Not that I don't want to, but if I'm not genuinely in the space too, I, I can't I cannot show for other people if I can't show up for myself first. And so these are the advice that some of my friends have been giving me. Um honestly, even before the surgery, I'll be honest. Cause again, I've just always been that person. Right. But I'm finally starting to to implement it. And I don't know if it's making people uncomfortable, friends or family or things, but I'm trying not to worry about that. I'm, I know that the ones who know me and really love me and know that I love them, they are understanding and they're supportive, whether they say it or whether it's through their actions. And then the ones that aren't, I, I can't do nothing with that. I don't, I, you know, I'm not, I can't, I can't beg or force anyone to understand and to adapt with me and go through this with me and, you know, see the changes and kind of, you know, move with the changes. So it's no love lost, but it just is what it is. Hey, I, I, I think, I think you, you're stepping in the right direction. I mean, every time when something major like that happens and you have to come for it, it's a process. Um, and I'm pretty sure it wasn't no easier with everything that happened to you and then plus the pandemic. How did the pandemic affect you in any way? Also having to come out during that trying time. like It was hard. It was hard. I think the only thing and I say, I mean, my boss are really close. I worked for seven years. I think one of the things that helped me the most was work. You know, even when I went back to work because, you know, I had the surgery in June. Because I'm a on a leadership team, like I'm a dean, I didn't start, I don't come back when the teachers come back, I come back earlier. So I was back to work. And, you know, even I remember she said, oh, I was back to work, I think, in July or so. And I remember, yeah, because I was still in North Carolina at that time, and I was on Zoom for work. And I remember her saying to me, like, take that, to your point, like you said, your coworker, take that leave of absence. And I'm like, no, because I think it would have been even worse had I not went back to work. At least I had something to like, 
though I wasn't leaving my house, leaving my, my apartment, but I had Look something to wake to. up and, and yep. needed to do. Yep. Um, but it was hard because it was very isolating. And it's no secret. I say this to my friends all the time. People don't come. Visit. I mean, I lived in, even when I lived in New York and my family, people didn't, I had my own place. People didn't come visit me. That's just, it just wasn't a thing. So I, it was even a bigger thing. Now, now I got to drive a distance to see you. That I already knew that wasn't going to happen. I know people said they were or was all, all the time. Oh, yeah, I'm going to be out there all the time. That's nothing. That's not, that drive is nothing. No, it don't happen. I'm going to be very real. <laughs> and so it is what it is. I'm not losing no sleep behind it, but it was very isolating. I was very lonely um, to be in that space. It was like lonely mentally, lonely emotionally, and then lonely physically. Because, again, besides... Nikki was coming every almost every single Sunday. Um, yeah, there was other people was coming here and there, here and there, but there was no consistent showing up. And again, people have lives. My friends have kids. They are moms. They're some. They're wives. They're this. They're that. Um, all types of things. Caregivers. A parent, whatever it is. But I just still feel like it was a very lonely place. It was a very lonely place. And I don't know. And maybe there were sacrifices that were made. Right. I don't know what those sacrifices were where it's like, I'm going to come, I'm going to be there, I'm going to sit, I'm going to spend the night. Even if I say no, come anyway. Of course I'm going to say no because I don't really want to be an inconvenience, but you know I need you, especially as it got, especially as time went on. Maybe not in the beginning, but as time went on, it's like, I wasn't getting better. I may have seemed like I was getting better, but I wasn't getting better. I was depressed. I mean, I still am depressed, but I was very much so living in a depressed world day to day. It was no secret. No one, no one who knows me or close to me can tell me any differently from that. Like, oh, we didn't know. That would sound crazy. And so the pandemic, I feel like if it wasn't the pandemic, it may have been a little different, but it made it 10 times harder because. I really wasn't going anywhere, not even to work, you know? So, like, yeah, I was getting right. up and maybe sitting on my couch, but I'm also now in a state where I don't know a soul. I don't have no friends here. I don't have no family here. Nothing. I'm not one of those people who really hang out with my coworkers, and I really didn't know them. I'm more court cool with them now, but I met them on Zooms. I don't know these people. Right. I don't. I'm not interacting with these people day to day. So we're okay. Let's go get a drink or let's go hang out. Or something. Nothing was extremely lonely. Are you doing? And ultimately, it? then I was going to New York almost every. Once I started, I started just going back to New York every weekend. Have you now, since now after the pandemic, and you know, as you starting to get better, have you starting to uh, go out within your new community in Connecticut now and, and meet new people and do new things? I have not. Um, <laughs> See, Jazz, you, you gotta do it. You gotta do it. <laughs> Connecticut is very boring. Let me just put that out there. Um, and I remember when I was moving to Connecticut and I posted it, and you was like, Connecticut, you definitely, <laughs> definitely had some things to say. All right. And I can't, that's it's one thing I will not debate you on. Um, so I do. I mean, I go to New York almost every weekend, which for me, I think that is another thing of like, that makes it easy for people. If I'm in New York every weekend, then that means nobody really has to come here to see me. Right. And that's cool because, listen, my church, I'm, I go to New York, I have my church there, my friends, my family, but it's, there's nothing really to do here. 
Um, but I'm trying to be more diligent at staying home. And my coworkers actually did just tell me about a um, R&B Wednesdays. Um, so I did tell them I would go to that probably next Wednesday. I told them tonight, like, oh, I, you know, have something to do tonight. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying. I am going to try to, like, just do little things. I don't know if I can make this my forever home, but for now, it's, it's, it's cool. You know, I do love my school, so I'm not really ready to leave my school yet to transfer over to another school. But I do get out a little bit more. Even in New York, I get out a little bit more. Like even if I go back to New York, I'm, I get out a little bit more because even when I was going before every weekend, I really wasn't doing much, um, just really going to church or not really doing as much. But I definitely try to do a little bit more now. Hmm. So so through all, out all of everything that this went on and, and through all of like in, in disregarding your family and your friends, what outside of your family and friends and your job and your church, what outside of all those things makes Jasmine happy? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know because I'm still trying to find it. I thought that everything up until this point was the things that made me happy until this hit. And I'm like, life is not about how much money you make. It's not about the job you have. It's not about the car you drive. Um, it truly is what are the things that you want in your life that are going to give you continuous happiness. And I, I can't say I know right now right. or I feel that because for me, I honestly think I will never truly be happy until I become a mother. And I, I think that it's even more so now because I know the fight against me, right? And so I feel like that will be the time that I can just take a deep breath, a sigh of relief of like, okay, yes, I didn't think it was going to turn out this way, but it did. Thank you, God. I am truly, truly happy now. But I don't know. So I think like, am I wearing a mask day to day? No, not as much anymore. I mean, there are days that I still put it on and put the mask on and then there are days that I just come home and I cry. There are days that I'm in the shower and I cry. There are days I'm in the car and I cry, right? Just anything, things that can happen. One of my friends can tell me they're pregnant and I'll be fine. Uh, one of my other friends can tell me, oh, I'm having a baby and I'll be crying for 24 hours, right? And right. not again, not because I'm not happy, but because I'm like, why is this happening to me? Like, why am I not able to, like, these are, I want to celebrate me too. I want to celebrate myself. I want to find, I want the man to find me and for, to be the, the wedding and, and, have a baby it, it is so bad that i and i'm probably it's probably the first time i've ever even said this out loud of like i don't even care no more if i don't get married and i want to be married so, well don't say that then don't say watch I what you know, speak but watch I what you speak not, not that i don't care yeah. but i think the priority of being a mother mm -hmm. is like trumps the priority of being a wife but but wouldn't you want to have it that way? Wouldn't we, I mean, well, ideally, you know, they, they you would want to have the right man. Of course, when you get ideally, I would. Yeah. But I think I'm so scared. I think there's that fear that's still a little bit in me. That's like, yes, I want that, right? Like, let me take that. No, I definitely care. I, I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, yeah. I do want. I'm about to say, right? I, I believe you do. Want I definitely to get married, want to be a wife. Yeah. But I think for me now, it's like whereas before, it's like, yeah, I want to be the wife and we got family. Now I'm like, listen. 
I want to meet somebody. I know we going to make it. Then like, okay, great. You want to just try this IVF thing so that we could, you know, maybe we might need to do it in a different order. And I'm and I'm just being honest because I think the fear of not being a mother, it as much as I'm trying to like fully trust God and I'm not fully 100% there in my faith yet where I'm like, okay, I fully trust that this is going to happen. And so there's still a little bit of fear in me that's like, I just need this to happen so that it, I can take my deep breath, my shoulders can relax, my family can be good, and everything is a-okay. So I'm not sure because I truly believe that that's my happiness. And maybe it's not, right? But I don't think that I know then. There is really nothing right now in this moment that truly brings me 100% happiness. Mm. I have happy moments. I have good days. I mean, I could have straight day. I mean, I've I can genuinely say I've been happy these past three straight days. Do you do you think the path to finding your happiness would maybe one one day unlock everything else and, and it, everything else will fall into order where the man, the 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 life you want, the pregnancy and the marriage will come together once you, you find the happiness? Do you, you think that? Do you do you speak positive like do you, do you do you get up and write down the things that you want done in your life? Do you do things like that? So I'm starting. Um, I actually just read a book. I don't know if you know T.D. Jake's daughter, um, Sarah Jake's Robert. Oh, I thought it was she Sarita. Has, it ain't Sarita. What's what you say? What's her name? Sarita Jake's. No. Sarah. Oh, that's the mom. That's the mom. Okay. Yeah. So she has this book called Women Evolve. I just finished reading. I'm in this book club, um, and I just finished reading it. And since I finished reading that, it has unleashed. A different mindset which again has really only been like a week which is why like this newfound like past three days it this is for real like um i have a journal now i try to write i'm trying to write in at least every night just gratitude just trying to see because i'm i am a very like negative thinker i always go to the negative negativity it's easy for me to say but i, I do believe there's power in the tongue and if i keep saying what, what won't happen right. what won't happen right um, so i definitely changed my if i become a mom to when i become a mom right like yeah. even those little even a little word difference there means a lot you know so i'm trying because it's something that you just said that was important of will those things happen happen when i actually find the happiness and i think that's what i'm trying right now right. i'm trying to not focus on being a mom and being a wife I'm trying to focus on truly being a healed woman. I need to be healed because when I really think about it, I cannot. If I got pregnant, if I did IVF today and I had a baby, I'm still broken. Right. Think about it. You, the, the right man can't come to you until you get unbroken, too, because, you know, he, you got to be full for him to be full if you want a full man. You don't, exactly. you don't want to attract so, what you are. You don't want to attract another broken man. You don't, you don't want to attract the guy with the beat-up Tims. You want the guy with the new Tims. That's, that's a whole <laughs> fact. <laughs> <laughs> you, 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 you want the guy with the new 40 Belows on, not the guy with the beat-up Tims. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. So, but I didn't, but when I say, like, it's so crazy that, like, we're having this conversation now because I just... That just clicked to me after reading that book. It just clicked. So we're talking about, like, I've been reading it. We just had the book club on Friday night about it. And 
I made a conscious decision that Monday morning when I woke up, things is going to be different. And so far, they have been. And there is it, a difference. There's no negative in these past three days. And there has been some that I've tried. There's nothing negative that's been able to hit me that I haven't been able to just be like, nope, I'm not dealing with that. I'm going to, it's, it's going to be, I'm going to start having a good day. Throughout the day is going to be good. And I'm going to end the day with it being good. And it's been that way because, and I said that to my cousin, I have wrote her, you know, she was, of course, everybody write me, oh, you showing now, you, okay. It's not even about the, oh, the dressing and, and sh- taking pictures and posting them is really about if everything about the healing, it just can't be, okay, I want to be happy. I have to look, I, I have to feel like whatever is going to make me feel like I'm good and feel like I'm happy, I, that needs to happen. So if that means getting my hair done, if that means dressing up for work, if that, whatever it is, it needs to happen. And that's how I know I'm going to be healed mentally, emotionally, and ultimately physically. Right. And right. so, and I say physically because I, I I am going to be consistent with this fitness journey on top of the fact that the fibroids can come back. Mm-hmm. Any more cutting to take more fibroids out only lessens my chance of IVF being successful. I can't afford no more fibroids. I can't afford no more fibroid surgeries, right? So, like, there's so many things that have to change, even the physical. Like, yeah, nothing's going to bring my tooth back. That technology ain't that great yet. They ain't may know, like, oh, we're going to put some fake tubes in you now. We're not that advanced yet. Elon Musk going to find a way. (laughs) Right, like, they ain't doing that yet. But physically, I can ensure that my body is, forget the weight part, which I do want to lose weight, but just in shape enough and healthy enough that one, when I'm ready to do IVF, I'm, my body is healthy enough. Right. So that that 33 to 38%, because that's another thing about IVF. Don't be fooled. People, females are fooled. Oh, yeah. Oh, IVF. You still can do IVF. IVF is not at, it is not a 70, 80, 90% success rate. Mm-hmm. It is a 33 on average percent success rate, at least the research I've done in mm-hmm. recent times. 33%. That's not a, for me, and I look at that and I, you know, I'm saying it to you, but I've been, I've pushed that far in my head too, because that's when I can kind of self-doubt. But it's things like that that's like, well, guess what? That first time, I'm going to be a part of that 33%. But I have to do the work mentally, emotionally, and physically. I knew these things before of a, a friend. He was the one who in these eight months, he was the one more. So like, are you ready for that? Will you emotionally? What if you do IVF and it doesn't work? Are you emotionally going to be prepared or is it going to knock you back into this dark world? And I'm like, dad, now nah, I'm ready. I'm ready. I was ready. I'm ready. No, nah, I wouldn't have really been ready. And so I need to fully be healed before I can even worry about that. Right. So that's what that's where I am like today, March 2nd, 2022. What right. do I need to do to fully heal Jasmine? What do I need to do to fully ensure that I'm finding other means of happiness and happiness and being healed totally mentally, emotionally, and physically so that when these things come, I'm ready and I can conquer it, whether it goes right or whether it goes left. 
Hey, that's that's a great place to be in life. Just stop worrying so much. You know what I'm saying? Believe, believe, I tell a lot of people that go to church all the time like that. Believe in your faith. What you going to church for if you don't believe it? Have that right. faith. Yeah, that faith you believe in and you believe in God. You have faith, man. You got to change because, you know, worrying uh, affect your health too. You know, you do a lot of worrying can can do a lot of damage on your insides too. So, you know what I'm saying? You got to have have a victorious attitude all the time. Wake up and tell yeah, yourself. Yeah, I mean, because honestly, stress, fibroids feed off of stress. Right. It, feed off, it feeds off of stress. So they can come back because of the stress. And then once you have them, they grow. Like, one of the, it's the nutrition, it's stress. Those are two components of it. So right. it's like, I'm stressing about the thing that I shouldn't be stressing on. I'm actually making things worse. Yep. Yep. Can't have that. Can't have it. Right, so so a, health, a healthy Jasmine, Jasmine is fully where she needs to be in life, fully healed, fully complete as a woman. Uh, what type of fully man are you looking for that you trying to attract in your life? <laughs> um, that's that's a good question. I'm not my track record is not great when it comes to picking men, um, and not because like. They were all like wrong. I just don't think they were right for me. Right. Um, or like we were right for each other because I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, it was their fault. No, I, I know. I'm a brat. I know I'm spoiled. I know I got my ways too. My attitude sucks. I know all these top three things that I always hear. I think the man for me is going to be um, patient. That's big. Patient. Because I am a lot. And I'm not saying a lot even in a lot of the negative ways, but even in the positive ways. And I think it's definitely patience. Um, and the biggest thing for me is just reassurance. Mm. I don't like to have to second guess. I don't want to have to second guess what your intentions are, what you're here for, what we're doing. Are you going to leave tomorrow? If we have this argument, is it going to be over? If we have this argument, you're going to go sleep with somebody else? The reassurance of... I want us to be best friends. Before marriage, we have to be best friends. I am assured in my friendships that we can go through anything. That should be the same way with the man that shows up to be in my life. We both should be able to know without a shadow of a doubt that our friendship is strong enough that no matter what else we go through, we, we because we have a solid friendship, we're going to be good. So you want so you want somebody that, that that that's gonna be a good friend first before they be a lover and, and a husband, so that way y'all have that solid foundation to build off of. For sure, but I think it's it's some on my like you know because my friends will hear this and be like, yeah, you didn't tell the whole truth. So let me say this: that is what I want, but that's also some work on my part because I'm gonna be honest yeah. with you. Hey, but that's what I was asking. Not to cut you off. That's what I was gonna ask you. Now the same patience that you asked for that man to have for you, are you gonna have that same patience for him? So I'm I'm better at having the patience of we need to actually become friends before we become boyfriend and girlfriend, right? Right. I think my problem is I've always moved too fast or like rush or like, okay, we're not relationship, but I'm ready. I'm doing everything in relationship. And that is very different. One of my best friends, she's going to laugh when she hears I'm not even going to say her name, but you know, she's the one that's like, listen, when you date in, you need to date 
you you don't just date one person. I'm not saying you sleeping with, with all of them, but you don't need you date more than one. You want to go if somebody want to take you on a date on Monday, you go on that date. Somebody want to take you on a date on Wednesday, you go on that date, right? <laughs> is this, is this girl from Wilson? Because I think I got. She is not. I'm about to say because I got one that tells me that too. You know what I mean? <laughs> but and and I'm not saying I disagree with that, right? But I do. For me, I I can't. It's that's just not me. When I'm getting to know a person, I really just want to get to know that one person. Because I don't even have the time. Now, I can make time for anything, of course. I don't have the energy to be trying to get to know three and four people at a time. I've got the energy you to don't. be going on Trust me, you don't. I, I've, I've tried it. Now nah, you don't. Because, now nah, it's, it's, it's definitely too much. I, I tried that. Oh, yeah, you need to have a roster. That, no, that junk does not work. Not not for nobody like me. I'm like like you said. like You only can focus on one person. That's too much energy. And that personality, then this person texts, then that person over there. like, nah, I ain't got time for that. You know what I mean? It's too much. I yeah. want to get to know you. But I think the problem for me in that it becomes because I'm such this giving, caring, loving, affectionate person and not just with men, but like my friends, my family, um, it becomes a thing of I'm falling fast. I fall fast. I fall hard. I mean, I think that's a little bit of being an Aries, too, because that's part of our, you know, in the in the sense of being the Aries of like, we do, we love hard and we love fast, but, but I think at times it's taking advantage, but even when it's not, we don't take the time to say like, I'm going to slow this down. Okay. I'm not going to do this. Or I'm not going to do that. I'm that caring person. So even if I'm dating you and you know, we not boyfriend and girlfriend, I'm going to do, I'm going to, what do you need? Okay. You, I'm going to target. I'm going to hit you. What you need from target? You know, like that's just me. I'm not thinking about like, Oh, that's not my man, so I shouldn't be doing... I don't think like that. And I'm not knocking the females that do, but I do think for me, it then puts me at a... puts my back up against the wall because then I leave room for men to say, like, you're not my girl. Mm-hmm. When, it, when it comes time to say, like... And then I go to my cousin or I go to my friends and I'm like, oh, he had the nerve to say, oh, and they're like, but you're not, Jess. Or my mom who will always tell me, all right, well, then just take a step back. But I don't even know how to do that. I'm e- I'm not, I don't know how to be lukewarm. I'm either hot, I'm either on you, or once you push me to be cold, then I'm cold, and that's it. I don't know how to be in between. And I now, think... Now, see, I'm with you on that. I don't believe in that, because why be in something that you're halfway through? Nobody ain't going to tell you to be halfway through nothing else that you want to do. Like, So why would you be halfway through with somebody you particularly going to be with? So I'm with you on that. I don't, I don't, I don't like that advice either. I like If, if I got to do that, then I don't need to be with, talking to that person, period. That's how I feel. Right. And so, and so it's hard, but I'm also that person with friends. And I let things go on sometimes too longer than they need to go, right? Well, at least that's what I've done in the past. Even friendships. Because I'm that person, once it's done, the other person, whether it's a friend, it could be a family member, it could be a man, they will never be able to say that I didn't fight for it. Because I will do anything and everything. But once I say I'm done, that's it. I don't have nothing else to give, but... I think so. I think I hinder myself because though I'm not, I cannot be, I cannot date several men at one time. I just can't. It's just too much. I think it hinders because then I'm dealing with someone and I'm putting all the eggs in that basket. We're not boyfriend and girlfriend. Time passes for whatever reason and I'm still like, it's okay. You know, we get to know each other, we're building that friendship, but it's still like, I don't. It's, maybe it's the reassurance that's missing, right? Like, it's so many different things. Or the person's not patient. Or it's the 
oh, you're not my girl. We're not boyfriend and girlfriend. Or, and then that's when the time in my head starts clicking of, I don't want to waste my time with, with said person. I don't want to. And this is what it's been, especially since, you know, my surgery. But even before that, this, right. that's something that's been the same. Um, so I think it's hard. Whereas, like, I want that person that's going to show up and be reassuring. I want that person that's going to be patient. I want that person that's going to match my energy. Um, then that's just what I want. You know, like, I, I come with my own, but I also, you know, I have a male best friend, uh, Justin. He's a very high critic on me. And he says, like, he had told me years ago, best, probably the best advice he ever really given me, that you are independent, but you cannot show up independent like you don't need a man. Now, I'm not one of those women who will be like, I don't need a man. Yes, I do. Right. I know women like to say, oh, I don't need a man. I got to. Yes, I do. I don't care how much money I'm making. I don't care how independent I am. I grew up in a two-parent household. My parents were married 32 years, 31, 32 years. That's what I've seen. That's what I want for myself. And that's what it is, right? But I need to. I needed to learn how to soften myself right. and let a man be the alpha. I don't want to be the alpha be the alpha female in a household with a man or in a relationship with a man. I had to learn that. But I do think that guys that I date sometimes it's like, so give me the reassurance. Give me the the consistency. Show up for me in the ways that like I'm showing up for you. And not even not I'm even talking about financially. I'm just talking about like be consistent. Don't say be saying good morning for two months and then month six I don't hear from you until four o'clock in the afternoon, bruh. Come on, what's going on? You know, like, wh- what are we doing here? Don't don't date me for in the beginning, and then we don't go on no dates. I ain't saying it gotta be every week. I'm not saying we gotta blow all this money, but what in what ways are we still learning each other? How are we still dating? How are we still trying to progress in a friendship? Um. So I think that's what I would be looking for. I think that's what, well, I'm not looking. Let me let me name that because I think God's going to send me the man. I do truly believe that. But I think that's what I would see. I think that's what's important to me. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Tell you So you're basically telling that man he need to learn you and earn you. That's what you tell him. For sure. <laughs> and, and likewise, me as well. Yeah. Listen, it's, yep. not, it's not one-sided. I definitely need to learn. Learn the man and... And be patient, check my attitude, check my little spoiledness, and I know the things I need to work on, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good thing, because a, a lot of people don't, men and women don't like to admit they faults, you know what I'm saying? So it's good that you know the things that you need to work on. So that's, that's, that's very key and major, as long as you are making effort to work on those things, man. But... Man, you had a very, very... I definitely enjoyed you this episode. I think your story is going to reach a lot of young women who may be going through things. And that shows, you know, are in the country right now, mental health is very big. And I kind of believe a lot of us anyway, black people anyway, are, are got suffer from some form of post-traumatic stress disorder somehow. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, I for feel, sure. I feel I like agree. we do. It's just not... It's just not... You know, in our community, it's not heavily talked about it. But I definitely would suggest people if you're not feeling okay to talk to somebody about it. You know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. okay. I agree. Yeah, it's okay to talk to a psychiatrist. You know what I'm saying? You know? Listen, I I love my um I love my therapist. She she helps me. She definitely helps me get through. Do you have a do you, do you have a, a white or African American therapist? 
She's a black woman. No, she's definitely a black woman. Okay, okay. Uh, for sure. Yeah. All right. Okay. I'm about to say because I, I, you know, what I'm saying, I, I, not saying a white woman couldn't, you know, you could talk to you, but I think like an African American woman would more better understand another African American woman. Yeah, I agree. That was, I mean. Anybody, men or women, out there looking for a therapist, you can follow on Instagram. That's how I found my therapist, black female. Well, this is for women therapists, but black female therapist. You put in your area code, and it'll pull up in the surrounding areas, the mile radius that you want, all the black female um, therapists in your area. Right. Um, and that's how I found mine, and, and she's wonderful. And there's so many. I mean, I've given that information out to even a few of my friends and family and just people and that like that's like one of the easiest ways, especially with social media, to try to you know help find um, especially a black uh, female female therapist. No doubt, no doubt, definitely. Thank you for that. But before before we get out of here, though, for so where does Jazz see herself in the next five years? Right now, I see myself in five years happy and whole again. And actually, not whole again, just whole, because there's. I don't think I ever was fully whole. And so in five years, I see myself genuinely happy. I see myself 100% at peace with whatever is going on in my life and what has gone on in my life. And I see myself 100% whole, like never before. Um, I definitely think there are some aspects of my purpose that God will not reveal to me until mm -hmm. I have to come overcome whatever hell is standing in my way. This is the hell that's standing in my way. I want to get to my purpose. So in five years, I, I know I'm going to know my purpose at that time because I am going to overcome this hell that I'm going through. Dang, hey, see, there you go. There you go. See, you, you're speaking a whole lot better now. You, you're talking into existence. Not no maybe, not no might, no if. That's right, you, exactly. You, you're saying it. You're speaking it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I definitely thank you for joining us. Enjoy your story. Every every woman that's listening to this, even guys, you know what I'm saying? Even though I don't know fibroids hit guys or anything like that, you know? But, you know, even guys that you, you're going through things like that, too. It's okay to talk to somebody, you know what I'm saying? And, and know that somebody is there for you to help you overcome. You don't have to do it alone. You don't have to do these things alone. Yeah, know? I mean, even for guys, listen, sisters, cousins, your spouses, girlfriends, female best friends, you know, it'd be good for them to listen just to know how to be helpful. What what are the right things to say and not to say? You know, it might be good in those ways because fibroids, infertility, it definitely hits the black community and we don't talk about it enough. And that's why, like I said, like, this is my first time saying it. I said it to a few people at church. I gave my testimony a little bit, but I made sure only certain people was at church at the time, right? And I had to overcome that fear. When you asked me, it was not a question in my mind. It was like, yep, I'm coming on because you know what? Somebody, even if it's one person, somebody needs to hear the story. Right. And no matter how people feel, people being in my business, people knowing, I can't be worried about that. Someone needs to hear this story because I know what it did for me and I didn't have somebody's story to latch on to. So mm -hmm. I want someone to hear this story and know you can, you will overcome it. It's going to be hard. But as long as you stay in it, as long as you speak positive, think positive, that's the only way you're going to make it out of it. No doubt. No doubt. That's Miss Jasmine. Any, any last words before we get up out of here? Nope. 
I would just say um, keep God first. Focus on you. You cannot show up for others if you don't first show up for yourself. Mm. Make yourself a priority. No doubt, no doubt. And I believe you, you're going to have to come back on in a year or two once it does everything that happens that you want it happens, you know what I'm saying? I, I believe it's going to be a pair of pink Tims for the girl, a pair of blue Tims and the Yankees had it for some boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do that because I know you'll talk about me on Facebook. You'll put some type of status up. A lot of people do something crazy, and I always try to avoid making uh, making one of your statuses. You know <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, I appreciate you coming on, Jazz, and you know we're praying for you. Everything's gonna work out, man. Everything's gonna work out. Thank you. I definitely appreciate you the opportunity, and thank you for you know bringing me on and um, just being able to tell my story for, for your listeners. I appreciate it. All right, no doubt, no doubt. I will send you the links when everything is posted. All righty, thank you. Have a good evening. All right, now you too. All right. Bye. You are now tuned. You are now tuned into the Off the Wall podcast. And is that it? it?